You are listening to Mommying While Muslim Podcast, where hosts Uzma and Zeba share their personal stories of mommying in a post-9-11 world. This podcast is designed with the Muslim American mom in mind, so grab a cup of coffee and pull up to their table. Welcome to another episode of Mommy One Muslim. This is Asma Jaffrey. And this is Zeba Hassan, trying not to fall asleep as we sit here today. How are you, Asma? I'm good, alhamdulillah. I've been okay. I'm sorry that you're so tired. What's going on? Well, you know, it's just, I, I don't know about you, but uh, the sleep deprivation really gets me during Ramadan. It's not the food. It's not the drinks. It's the sleep deprivation and I don't have an opportunity to nap during the day and even today with this later recording I'm like I'm gonna lie down and relax and I'm like (laughs) if I do that I will not get up so I best not do that so yes and maybe I'm a baby but you know I love 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 my sleep so that is my one sacrifice amongst many that I'm doing in the name of God on this Jama Mubarak during Ramadan. Yeah, exactly. And look, it's already been, like you said earlier, 11 days. 11 right? days. I feel like it flew by. I really, truly do, do feel like it flew by. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I have to say, like, this whole year has flown by. And so just sitting and being introspective about everything and what we're doing as we're slowly kind of putting our feet back into the real world makes me kind of a little bit nervous about kind of going back fully to the to the the 100% norm. So mm-hmm. I definitely want to sit down and think about what are the things that I learned during this whole COVID period that I want to keep moving forward and what are things that I'd be willing to kind of bring back into my life. Yeah, I think that's a good plan. I do think that a lot of people will disagree with you and say this was not the fastest year ever in their oh, lives. Oh, I felt like it went so fast and I was, really? I enjoyed every moment of it. Like, I mean, even the kids like coming out of my ears and my daughter just, just now walking in and wondering what the heck you're doing at six o'clock. You know, all those things allowed me the opportunity to kind of get to know them on a level that I don't think I would have in another year. So for that, I am going to, to stay grateful and be excited when they go back to school in the fall, that having been right. said. But how Inshallah. has your week been, Osma? Um, My week's been good. You know, I've been listening to moms like yourself talking about how tired they are. And like, you know, when you have older kids and they're fasting with you, mm-hmm. talking about, you know, it's just extra work, right? And then it's like mom pressure to definitely get up. Because what's the big deal? We can just roll over, right. drink some water, drink some some water. Some more, maybe have a day and be done, <laughs> yeah. you know, like coffee and I'm good. Um, but to get up and make sure that those kids are eating. And I'm like, well, should I say anything? And I'm slowly starting to say things when I'm hearing it. Cause I'm like, really? Like you guys get up an hour early to cook for your kids who hate your food. Yeah. It's waking me up for Sahur and saying, yeah. like the sausage and egg is ready. Like, come on, have some oh, more. So you like, are lucky girl. So you best not I, say anything. I know. I feel like I need to give Sadaka or something. <laughs> And it's totally from him. It's not like I told him to get up and make suhoor for me. But, you know, he's he's doing it for himself. So he's just like, you know, he lets me sleep. And when he hears my alarm, he just walks into the room. He turns it off. He's like, I mean, it's time to get up very gently. And wakes me up. And if it's not him, my daughter. 
is doing it because she's trying to fast as well and had her very first fast this year. So oh, yay. I'm so yay. excited. Ten and you're old. obviously like, wow. doing something right. So please share your notes because mine are like, when are you getting up? What's going on? What are you making me? But honestly, my, my older ones, because of virtual, they, I mean, I'll be honest, they just stay up. And I just right. kind of put like a smorgasbord of food and I'm just like, please pack Grace. it up and put it away. And then, mm-hmm. you know, they kind of get up, drink water, pray and go straight back to bed. And I'm a hundred percent okay with that. You know, it's, yeah. it's a different time right now. And we're doing, we're all doing the best that we can. So hug your baby because that I is know. Mashallah, mashallah a to my great kids. And I can't take credit moment. for it. It's not me. Hidayah is really from Allah. And that kind of consideration, I think, just comes from Allah because I did not teach it to nobody. I, it's so annoying, like, when people ask for notes. Because I used to ask people for notes. And they yeah, would say, so like, how did I do Allah that? Allah did it. And it was the most annoying answer. But it's the most oh, true one. It's I so true. That. <laughs> well, I love that. Well, I'm glad that it's working out for you. So you're doing something right. And like I said, pay Sadaka, And we'll get to yeah. where we can be paying Sadaka a little bit later. But what mm-hmm. is our soapbox for you and for us? this Friday. So our soapbox today is about a professor of political science who's actually the head of the political science department at Scottsdale Community College. His name is Nicholas Damask. And he uh, (laughs) recently won a lawsuit with the community college. And I'm laughing because this is very local to us. And it's uh, a place, uh, a college system that I go and lecture about Islam to. Uh, And surprisingly, this college uh, allows him to teach and direct the political science department. A particular Muslim student in his class objected last year to a quiz he gave um, about there was like three questions on there that were really problematic and incredibly leading and Islamophobic. And even though the student answered correctly, Professor Damask, uh, it makes me think of like curtains whenever I say his yeah, name. Yeah, I think um, that too. Damask counted his answers incorrect because the answer was that Muslims are violent. You can find a copy of the quiz online. So naturally, the student went to the Council on American Islamic Relations, the local chapter, and filed a lawsuit against this particular um, professor. However, the lawsuit was based on a violation of the student's First Amendment rights, which in a private college are not going to be protected. A student's First Amendment rights uh, to freedom of religion are practiced in public institutions, but not private ones. So naturally lost. And in return, Professor Damas countersued the community college system for not protecting him and his right to academic freedom. And Uh -uh. this is huge, guys, because now professors... And I believe more teachers are going to request this right to academic freedom where we should be able to teach whatever we want to teach. And, you know, this particular community college does have in their contract that they are not going to dictate what the professors teach. So he wasn't totally wrong. He ended up suing the college for $667 million, no, $667,000. I apologize. But they ended up settling out of court for $155,000. And now Scottsdale Community College is actively seeking the setting up of a committee to protect the academic freedom of its faculty, 
which mm-hmm. is crazy to me because instead of setting up a committee for, I don't know, diversity, equity, inclusivity, or cultural sensitivity, they're deciding to do this. And um, I think it's going to be really, really important to take a look at where our dollars are going. Guys, we are paying our money for community colleges, for private colleges, for public universities. And we need to make sure that our money is not going to institutions where Islamophobes are sitting. And if they are, then we need to withdraw our money and move on and make a big public stink about it so that everybody knows why we left. You have buying power, people. So I want you to reclaim that buying power and I will say before this, the only claim to fame that Scottsdale Community College had is um, being the alma mater of David Spade. If anybody is an old school Saturday <laughs> Night lover, uh, it for some reason does not make me feel any better about this particular community college. But we will be working actively, at least in Arizona, to make sure that we educate as many of the faculty members and students as we can, um, as hard as we can with our grassroots activists at the grassroots activists that are here so that's our soapbox for today i would imagine as part of the settlement agreement they had to set up that committee so that is just something Um. i'm thinking is probably what ended up going on so you know because you settle you go back and forth and then he's probably like well okay i'll settle for less but this is what you do that having been said it's still crazy and ridiculous so thank you for bringing it up to our attention and like Mm -hmm. you like you mentioned money you know put your money where your mouth is and if you do have that power you do have that authority we really do have that opportunity to make change um so thank you so much for bringing that to our attention and i will not look at david spade again the same way i still love him i'm just like dude like I'm very disappointed in your alma mater but this is a really important conversation because a lot of kids juniors right now you know, or seniors are going out and they're looking at colleges and doing all Mm -hmm. of this stuff, ask questions, find out, like, what are my political science teachers teaching? What are these science teachers teaching? What are the English teachers teaching? Um, And ask the hard questions, like, what is your stance on Islamophobia? How are you going to um, identify and deal with hate crimes on campus? This is sadly something that all of our students have to ask, especially our Muslim students. So. Yeah, that's so funny. My, Let my the admissions oldest... committees know that, that you're no, interested exactly. in this information. No, my oldest is on, um, you know, he's there. My oldest is at a basketball tournament right now, but coincidentally, there are a couple of colleges nearby. And so he's going to be looking at that. But that is one of the questions he um, thinks about. And he asks, like, what is the Islamic life like here? Like, do you have an Islamic chaplain? Those are all things that people need to know because they do um, kind of um, speak to the rights of the American Muslim students on campus. And coincidentally, one of our um, one of our brand ambassadors just put up on our Facebook group um, about Islamic life on on campuses and I am definitely going and attending that because that is something that I'd want to know like our kids walking mm-hmm. around are they doing you're you're entrusting your kids to these organizations so you want to make sure um, that they're provided the same opportunities as everybody else so you know 100%. this is a whole nother, this is can turn into a whole nother podcast like I always like to mm-hmm. say so we're not going to do that but thank you so much for bringing that up and thank you to everyone who has attended supported our virtual iftar at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital this past 
last Sunday, our goal was only, I think, $10,000. And we almost doubled that by raising 22000 and some change, which is mm-hmm. like this close, guys, to our annual giving um, goal that we wanted for them. So, you know, Sadaka guys, we still have a th- two thirds of the way of Ramadan going. So if you want to, to, to help us get us over, we are asking you to do that. Um, and you know, they, it goes for research. Um, the gift to live covers toys, chemos, groceries for families, um, oxygen, which I have just recently found out is extremely expensive. And actually Uzma, thank you for that amazing explanation on Sunday, because my, my Z3 was like, who knew breathing could be that (laughs) so expensive (laughs) expensive and that convoluted like he was super impressed with you um we had amazing endorsement uh endorsement of speakers our quran reciter she was amazing and our Mm -hmm. our other performers we did all of that in an hour so you know if we can do that in an hour moms can get anything done we are extremely efficient and because I ha- I am looking at the time right now because my iftar is about to come in, in about an hour. I am super excited She's to continue. Hangry. Our, I'm hangry, everybody, um, <laughs> to continue our new mommy memoirs. Um, for And we are super pleased to have the keto Muslim mom, Sadia Qureshi. She had made a huge lifestyle change online. And she has like, it's like, Uzma's keto guru, um, and she taught her how to make dal and um, taught countless of other women to eat healthier and more nutritiously. Then her meal and game plans got thrown for a loop, as a lot of us (laughs) with um, the pandemic, but hers also had a pregnancy. So she's here today to talk to us a little bit about what she went through, how it affected her, and we're super excited to hear from her. Welcome, Sadia, to Mommy Well Muslim. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you guys for having me. Assalamu alaikum. We are so excited to have you here. Um, and before we get into the meat of things, we usually give our guests an opportunity to talk about their mom's story, a little bit about their kids and what their momming philosophy is. Okay. Well, um, I would say that my journey into motherhood was pretty unique. Um, I'm going to try to keep this as short as possible, but there has been a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got married at 21. I was pregnant a month later. Oh. And then I gave birth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, as most desis do, you yeah. know, it's um, it's kind of funny because I remember my husband saying something like, um, well, if they if you don't have a kid within the first year, people start asking questions. And I'm like, well, that's... That's a good reason to have kids. Yeah, yeah, so we were both pretty much babies. Um, I was 21 and he was 27. Um, We had our first daughter at 22. Um, The pregnancy was high risk. We actually had a blood test done um, around 20 weeks. um, And they came back. I remember getting the call from a nurse on the phone And it was just very blunt. Um, She said that there was a 1 in 37 chance that the baby had Down syndrome. Um, And she kind of was like, well, what do you want to do next? Um, You know, it was kind of 
heartless. Um, mm -hmm. Not very good bedside manner for sure. Um, I just remember calling my husband at work and crying and, um, you know, he had come home that day with like a cute little onesie um, and he's like, everything's going to be okay. And, you know, mm -hmm. we got this. Um, I had actually like talked to my mom and my grandma and everyone was just like, you're 22. This type of thing doesn't happen um, to young moms because there is a, a common misconception that it happens to moms who are age 35 mm -hmm. or older. Um, so we actually declined the amnio um, because, first of all, amniocentesis is high risk. Um, there's a high risk of miscarriage. Um, and also, we really wouldn't do anything differently. Um, you right. know, being being Muslim, um, we don't believe in abortion. Um, you know, we believe every child is a gift from Allah. So having said all that, you know, we still did some other testing. Um, I think we did like a fetal echocardiogram um, that came out normal. And then I remember like around seven months, um, a cardiologist actually told me that, look, everything is normal and perfect. You need to stop worrying. Um, and that was like the end of it. I remember just looking at my husband and he's like, okay, you got, you know, you got what you needed. He's saying that everything is fine. Um, so she was full term. She was actually late. I remember um, his family, his cousins taking me to play basketball because I was three days overdue. And it was like, let's get this baby out. Let's get you... <laughs> you know, exercising. Um, but when she came out, um, I remember just looking at my husband and saying, is everything okay? And he's like, yes. And everybody was like, yes, everything is okay. Why are you so paranoid? Um, and it wasn't until three days after her birth. So she actually went to the NICU. Um, she had some jaundice, which is um, pretty typical jaundice and some feeding issues. So she was in the NICU. And then um, there was an on-staff pediatrician that came by and she's like, well, I just want to run some tests for some Asian characteristics. Um, I can tell you that right then my heart just sank because like as a mom, you have this like mother's intuition, right? Mm -hmm. And everyone kept telling me like everything is fine and you're paranoid and it's all in your head. Um, and when she said that, I just had this like sinking feeling. Um, and it was three days after birth, they did some karyotyping, um, which is like a genetic test. Um, and they confirmed the Down syndrome diagnosis. Um, even though she didn't look it, um, she had it. You know, I mean, a genetic test is not something that you can argue. Um, so that's kind of my. I guess my entry into motherhood. So um, at four months, then we had to prepare for her to have open heart surgery to close up um, three holes in her heart. And I actually remember vividly because it was the first day of Ramadan. Mm -hmm. um, so first day of Ramadan, we had to get to the hospital at like 6am. And I remember her going in smiling. And I'll never forget that because she's such a fighter. You know, she's such a warrior. Um, and she recovered from open heart surgery within two days. Oh, I mean, mashallah. it's like unheard of, right? Mashallah, mashallah. And I just remember like making like a pact with Allah. Like I'm like, you know, if she makes it out of this, like I'm, I'm going to fight for her and I'm going to be there for her. And so 
Um, yeah, that was my journey into motherhood. Um, we had her baby brother in 2009. Um, no complications, alhamdulillah. Um, another sister in 2014. And then a sister in 2017. And then my baby boy, the last of them all in 2020. Um, and he's actually my leap year baby. So he was born on February 29th. Oh. <laughs> Two weeks before COVID shut everything oh, I down. Know. <laughs> and, you know, and in, in being a mom of now five children, mashallah, in a pandemic, uh, part of, you know, your moniker is the keto mom. And I'm curious as to how keto, how did you take this passion for being with your children and advocating for your children and turning it and segueing it into, you know, this keto lifestyle that you you also um, through IG feel so um, strongly about? Um, so I have been dieting my whole life since I was 14 years old. Um, I was like the chubby twin. Um, so everyone, I was all actually called that. And that just really, you no. know, that hit me. Yeah. Oh, you're the fat twin. You're the chubby oh my twin. Um, so when I was 15 years old, I actually lost 30 pounds in two weeks in high school. Um, and it was drastic. I mean, people were like, whoa, what happened? Um, and I, I'll tell you now, it was not the right way. No, um, I there's pretty no way much, you can do that. <laughs> right. 30 pounds in two weeks. I, I literally starved myself um, to get to that weight. And so my whole life I had been dieting. Um, and so even when I heard keto, I was just, you know, I just dismissed it. I'm like, yep, another fad diet. Um, but I, I think what caught my um, attention was they mentioned Halle Berry and Halle Berry had done it and it was so popular. And we were actually getting ready to go on a trip. We were going to the Mall of America with our kids, a road trip um, to Minnesota. And my husband, actually, he works in a hospital and his coworkers had been talking about keto too. So we actually watched a video by Thomas DeLauer. Um, he's like a keto king. And we had a long road trip. So we were listening to one of his YouTube videos and it just clicked, you know. Um, I was like, why, you know, what do I have to lose? So I have never been able to lose 100% of the baby weight. Um, I think in total in five pregnancies, I've probably gained like upwards of 200, 250 pounds it, with each pregnancy if you combine them. Oh, yes. okay. I was saying. So that's, yeah, that's a lot. It's not a starvation diet. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's so many things that you can eat and while all the things on the list I really love. Mm -hmm. I love mayonnaise. I love cream cheese. Um, yeah, I'm a it. cheese, cheese <laughs> addict. Avocado. Know, eggs. Eggs. I can do all these things. And so when I came, when we came back from Minnesota, I was just like, I'm going to do this on a whim created the keto Muslim mom Instagram page. It was supposed <laughs> to be like my private blog. I actually didn't tell anybody about it because I was like, I don't want this to be like every other failed diet. I want to hold myself accountable. Um, and so that's how it started. And it just kind of grew from there. Um, I think I tried somebody's um, chocolate, keto chocolate chip cookie um, mix. And I remember 
them featuring me, I think, or like my picture. And that day alone, I had like 700 followers. And I was like, what's going on? My like phone keeps beeping. Um, but yeah, like I just created it because I wanted to hold myself accountable. And I was following people and I wanted to share recipes, you know, like if I tried a keto recipe that I really liked, I wanted to share it with others. Um, the keto family is super, super um, friendly and just everyone's supportive of each other. Um, so that was 2019. I lost 21 pounds. Um, it was amazing. I went to like three weddings that during keto. I did Ramadan keto. Um, I mean, everyone was just like, okay, you're going to, you're going to slip up. When are you mm -hmm. going to cheat? And I'm like, no, I don't have any desire to cheat. Um, we were going to India that summer. Um, and I had told all my followers, yep, I'm not going to cheat. Cause what's the point? You know, I can go to India. I can, I can stay keto. I was like, so prepared. And it was in India that I found out I was pregnant. Um, so <laughs> That's a slip up. <laughs> it, that, yeah. Well, it's really interesting because I've heard this from so many ketoers that yeah. there's something about keto that makes women get pregnant. More fertile. Yeah. And I hadn't known that, but like after I got <laughs> pregnant and so many people would contact me, so many moms are like same situation. I lost weight, got pregnant. And so my boy had been praying for a brother. We kept it a secret. We didn't tell anybody. Um, I would go to McDonald's in India and go to their bathroom and be vomiting um, wow. and come back out like with my kids, you know, and I didn't tell the kids either because, you know, uh, little kids and big mouths, uh, that secret would not have been held. Um, so yeah, nobody knew. Um, I came back and I really thought, okay, it's just morning sickness. It happens with every kid. Um, once I'm in like the second trimester, I'll be fine. I can go back to my keto because my goal has always been to be keto. It's not a diet for me. It's a lifestyle. Um, I love it. I love how I feel on it. Um, so this was a blow. Um, you know, I won't even sugarcoat it. It was kind of like I felt like a failure. Um, here I have my blog and I'm, you know, constantly hyping up the keto diet. And then the only thing I can keep down are carbs. Um, so yeah. it was very rough. Um, and then I finally, I think in October, we finally did tell everybody and it felt like such a relief because, okay, now I'm not lying, you know, and I was honest with my followers. I said, this has been like an internal struggle. Um, I'm going to do what I have to do. And I had a lot of people reach out to me and they were so nice. And they mm -hmm. said, you got to give yourself grace. You know, you're pregnant, you're creating this baby inside of you. And this baby is literally dictating, <laughs> what you put in your body. Um, and at he that point, carbs. it was just, yeah. And the baby wanted carbs and he wanted Chinese food and uh, <laughs> he wanted buckets and buckets of ice chips from uh, McDonald's. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we just kind of let him run the show, but um, it was really, really hard. And I, right before he was born, even was hospitalized. I was very ill, very sick. Um, they diagnosed me with influenza A, this was February 20th of 2020. Oh, wow. um, so this was right around the time that COVID. I was, was going to say, was it COVID? Because that sounds yeah, like we COVID, had COVID to me. then. 
<laughs> that's exactly what I think looking back because I was like really sick, like dog sick. And they even, um, they kept me in a separate, like darkened wing of the hospital. They didn't even want me near mother baby because right. they said, we yeah. don't want you to infect other mothers with babies. And I remember thinking, um, I'm a mother with a baby in my stomach, really? I had never felt so bad in my life. Um, you know, they had to like suit up just to come into my room. Oh, they totally treated they you acted... like you were COVID. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They knew you had they it. They knew. They knew it. They knew. But they weren't ready to like talk about it yet. That's what it yeah, kind of sounds yeah. like to me. Yeah. Exactly. It doesn't. And You're actually, ready. it would make so much sense. Um, but definitely my postpartum was spent in, um, in isolation, in mm-hmm. quarantine. nobody in or out yeah and it sucks because you know what it's like pre-pandemic right like what the fourth trimester that postpartum period is supposed to look like with the support and your sister and maybe your mom and everything but not having that I think those moms felt it more I'm sure first-time moms during this last year also um, felt it but they don't know exactly what they missed right Um, so there's a little bit less of an edge on it so um, in terms of you know what you loved having to put that off because of this pregnancy and then, you know, this postpartum period where you're now loving on five children total. Um, Tell us kind of how you got back to your passion because, you know, I've been following your journey on Instagram and I see where the turn is coming, but share with our audience like how you've come back to it slowly, even if you're not, you know, right where you were back in 2018, 2019, what you're doing to continue uh, the lifestyle that you love or how you're, you've modified it so that you can continue to live the lifestyle that you love. Yeah. So when I, when the shutdown happened, he was two weeks old um, and I had wanted to breastfeed. Um, that's always been my desire. I was not able to breastfeed my first three children. Um, I was only successful with the fourth. And so with the fifth, I kind of knew what needed to be done in order to breastfeed. And I also reached out to a lot of people um, on Instagram and asked for advice. And I kind of was hearing the same thing that any kind of dieting, especially keto, would impact my milk supply. Um, And I just could not, um, I couldn't cope with that. You know, I just my desire to breastfeed was so much greater than my desire to lose weight at that point. Um, and so I chose my baby. Um, but I did, um, you know, I did do a lot of low carb, um, but then I would drink regular milk. Um, I was eating oatmeal because a lot of people said that that would help. Um, I think it was only a couple weeks, maybe seven weeks or eight weeks. And then we were in Ramadan. Um, and so I was fasting, I was fasting while breastfeeding, um, in a pandemic. Um, so a lot of things going on. Um, but I never lost sight that my goal was keto. Um, so I was still posting, I was still doing a lot of low carb meals and, and trying to help other moms. So actually I was able to lose about 20 pounds postpartum, um, which was pretty great considering that we've been in quarantine, not going out of the house, not doing anything. Um, but then again, life threw me for a loop because I stepped on a piece of glass, um, when my baby was only a couple weeks old, um, 
which made me not able to walk for a little bit. Um, it actually healed, but when it healed, um, I was told by the podiatrist that two fibromas were created at the site of the injury. Um, and these were benign, but they needed to be taken out. So now I'm 20 pounds down um, from having the baby. I'm in a really great place. It's summer of 2020. We're all starting to get out a little bit more. We're doing barbecues. And now I need to go in to have foot surgery. I come out and I had to pump and dump my milk because oh. of all the heavy anesthesia I was in. And that then, breaks my heart because that is such a fallacy and old medicine. Uh -huh. really? I, I won't tell you that you could have saved that milk. I'm so sad. Okay. So sad okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was actually really sad too because, you know, it was so many hours of not yeah. pumping. So I had such a good amount and like to throw that away. It's heartbreaking. I started gaining the weight back that I had lost because I'm immobile and I'm not able to exercise or do anything. The kids are back into school now. They're doing remote learning. I would have to take a walker all the way to my daughter's room to wake her up for school and log her into class. Mm -hmm. um, and I can't even tell you like what that is, what that does to somebody, you know, especially somebody who's worked so hard to be healthy and active. Um, and now I can't even walk. Um, so it, it did definitely take a toll on me. And so we're talking about now October 20, um, no, I'm sorry, September 2020, when all of this is happening. And then, you know, slowly, I was getting better. Um, in October, I I had always been like really into keto recipes, finding some really good keto dessert recipes. And I would make keto treats for my husband's coworkers. Um, and they kept saying, you really should sell these. You really should start a business. And I'm like, are you serious? But everyone kept pushing me. And so I just took a leap. Um, and so I started Sadia's Keto Kitchen on October 14th of 2020. Um, and you know, initially, it was just my husband's coworkers placing orders. And I thought it was just going to be, you know, kind of small and um, it just kind of blew up. Um, so Alhamdulillah, we're like going now, I think, six, seven months into it. Um, and it's been, it's been amazing, you know, because this passion that I had for keto recipes and keto meals and making that accessible and keto fying meals. Um, you know, I wanted to show everyone that, um, you can keto fy anything, you know, really? you have a taste. If you have a taste for ice cream, there's a keto recipe for it. Um, you know, there's keto bread and actually within the past two years, the industry has just blown up. Yeah. Whereas before we had to make our own keto bread. Now you can just go to Walmart or Costco and buy zero, um, you know, zero net carb keto bread. The, the one question I have for you is, do you ship to Virginia? Because girls send <laughs> some of that over to me. I would love. She likes prepared meals, have, Sadia. I love prepared meals. So we're looking into it. So I will definitely let you guys know if inshallah, inshallah. that is something that we can do in the future. We, we have this new segment that we're doing with everybody and it's called rapid fire whereas i'm going to send you a, take you tell you a question and you got to tell me the first thing that comes on your uh, mind okay okay what is your favorite book right now i actually just read the push 
Mm. I have I'll to have to add this. that it's to my It's kind of a thriller. Yeah, it's Ooh, kind of a thriller. Write it, write it down. If you were to be any animal, what animal would you be? A giraffe. They're oh, so elegant. They are so elegant mm. with their beautiful um, necks and all that necks. stuff. And, you know, because it is getting close to my iftar, what keto-friendly food are you serving for iftar today? Um, so today we actually are doing just straight dinner. I'm going to be making a keto tuna wrap. Um, but one dish that I just came across um, are keto pakoras. And they are so good. Actually, my 12-year-old anti-keto son um, <laughs> said that Loves he them. loved them. And I found a, a really great recipe. Um, her name is Keto with Sarah. And she has some YouTube videos. But yeah, if you are looking for something savory um, and you want that fried food, look at keto pakoras. Yeah. Ooh, we and are I'll share my that. keto pakora recipe with you because I, I do a cauliflower one. Ooh, Ooh, I'm so mm -hmm. hungry. I'm yeah. so hungry. And thank you guys for letting me pass this time during our, um, you know, during my last hour of Ramadan. So uh, of the day for Iftar. And thank you so much for joining us today and sharing just a little bit of your journey. I look forward to following you also on IG for the two times a month that I go on um, and, <laughs> and, and following your journey. I really appreciate you being here. Today. I'll be there every day following the recipe, Sadia. Thank you so much for sharing your motherhood story and keto story. Thank you, guys. It was a pleasure. And good luck with everything. Thanks again for joining Zeba and Uzma on Momming While Muslim today. Please email us your thoughts or questions and follow us on Facebook and Instagram because this podcast was designed to cater your needs. Make sure you check out the show notes to find the links and resources for this episode. And remember to help a mama out and leave a review of the show as well as to like it on your podcast app of choice because that helps us grow. Tune in next week for another episode of Momming While Muslim. Assalamu alaikum, everyone.